two hours of sleep, four cups of coffee and a dream. Like that's not actually healthy. <laughs> it's supposed to be inspirational, but that's not, that's not a healthy way to approach life or business. We all get it. We all get this message. It's nuanced for every person. What rules were you handed that you want to take a step back and say, wait, just because I got that message, do I want to keep following those rules? Do I, do I want to feel like I have to be productive all the time? I'm not allowed to rest. I have to be successful. Wait a second. No, my worth comes from something inside me. I was never broken. It was the rules themselves that were broken. And when I realized that it created this freedom in my life that I never knew was possible. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is an award-winning speaker and author of the book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth. I am speaking, of course, of none other, none the one, the only the legendary Heather Welpley. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. That might be the best introduction I've ever had. I've definitely never been referred to as legendary before, and I kind of like it. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so this show is a show where we showcase some of the world's uh, most iconic thought leaders, but we also showcase whom we call the emerging thought leaders. Folks like yourself who've done some really cool things the world maybe doesn't quite know about you yet at the level that it ought to. So we want to showcase you and give you a chance to get some of that legendary exposure. And our listeners are entrepreneurs. These are the folks that, to me, outside of the military uh, and law enforcement people who fight, bleed, and die for our freedoms, these are society's greatest heroes because they've got the courage to go out there and do what they need to do in order to make their vision come alive. And when they do that, they create jobs, they create innovation, they move the human race forward, as the late, great Steve Jobs would say. So they come here because they want to learn, not from me, I'm here every week, they want to learn from you. But before they can open themselves up to you, they got to get to know you and fall in love with you. So tell us your backstory. <laughs> How'd you get to be the great Heather Wapley? All right. I love that question. So I, I mean, from if we go way, way, way back, I mean, you already said the title of my first book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules. So that's what I was. I was the overachiever, the overdoer throughout high school, valedictorian in my high school class, always the good student, the leadership roles all of those things, which I didn't follow a traditional path throughout my entire career. I taught environmental education and led outdoor trips. But then I got into the corporate world and was there for 10 years doing leadership development and HR for two large multinational companies. I worked in plants. I worked in offices. I worked in the US and Latin America and Australia and all over. And then I started my business as a speaker author, coach, uh, had a lot of failures in that journey. We can talk about later if you'd like to as well. For sure. But throughout all of that, I had 
almost no boundaries. I put a ton of pressure on myself to succeed at the first time. I even overdid fun. Like I overdid everything in my life. I was just going, going, going all the time. And it finally came to a head when I was trying to launch some online coaching programs. They weren't going super well. I was doing all these Facebook ads, which I hated. And I felt like I had all this pressure. I was putting all this pressure on myself that every single thing I did had to succeed. I had to match my corporate salary right away. I mean, all of these just really unrealistic expectations. And I found myself feeling less freedom than I had had even in my corporate jobs. And that was not why I started this business. You know, I thought I would have more freedom as an entrepreneur. And I finally stopped to ask myself, why? Why am I doing all this? And for the first time in my life, I slowed down long enough to listen to the answer. And the answer that came out of that was, I was trying to prove myself. I was trying to prove my worth through achievement, through success, through productivity. And once I was able to see that connection, then I could take a deeper dive and to say, well, where did that come from? It didn't come from any one person, but it came from a lot of the cultural messages and rules that we get, particularly in the United States, but plenty of other cultures around the world as well, to always be doing more, to always be productive, bigger, better, more. And I have no problem with growth and with achievement, but I was the over doing it all. And it's not actually connected to our worth because we are worthy for who we are, not what I do and not what any of us do. And the answer to that question and the journey that came out of that was ended up being my first book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth, separate from feeling like you have to prove it through any sort of external external means. And that writing that book opened up, you know, I'd already started speaking a little bit, and then that opened up to speaking even more at companies and conferences, primarily for women. Um, I'm writing a second book called Grounded Wildness that will come out in the, this fall, fall of 2023, which gets into all those rules that we are handling that want to break in order to reclaim ourselves and from separate from validation and separate from feeling we have to prove our worth through through doing anything. So that's a, that's a snapshot of my uh, my story and I'm happy to get into more details around the business side of things or where where that all came from. but that's a little bit of who I am going from that overachiever to and feeling like I always had to prove myself to knowing I'm worthy for who I am, not what I do. Okay, so Heather, um, I like books. Um, I, yes. love, I, I love to read, um, you know, uh, wow. it's, it's, uh, it's my thing. I've read 4,000 books and I mean, read paper books and not audio books. None of that. I don't count those. Those I've done some of that too, but, um, I've written 10. I've had the honor of having two of them become New York times bestsellers not because of me, my co-author was famous and his brand helped us sell a bunch, but, um, um, I have a request. I'd like a signed yes. copy of your book when it comes out. Will you send me one? I can make that happen. Yes. And, and anyone who orders either of the books on my website, which is heatherwellplay.com, gets all signed copies. So I sign. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. On my, yes. Because I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. Coming ahead, you know, being a podcast host, you can make those requests, right? So it's. Uh, I will please. fulfill that request for you. God bless your heart. <laughs> so that's one. Um, so. I want to unpack some of this if we could, okay? So um, many years ago, actually 22 years ago, I did a program uh, called the Landmark Forum. And um, the Landmark Forum came from 
uh, was a derivative of the work of a man named Werner Erhardt who created something called the EST program in the, in the 70s. EST became huge, all kinds of uh, celebrities and massive corporations took it. Uh, and Landmark now uh, and EST have been the world's most successful and uh, longest standing personal development organizations with 5 million people around the globe having done their programs. But one of the things that Werner talked about, which I thought was very powerful because you talked about that in your monologue right now, was he said that we're not human doings, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. do, have, be. It's be, do, have. And I thought that was very powerful because I was brought up in my family. My, my dad, I come from the Middle East. I'm, I'm from Iran. My dad was a Christian, God rest his soul, in Iran. And, you know, being a Christian in Iran ain't simple. It ain't easy. And yeah. he, was, he was a successful businessman as a Christian in Iran. You know, he was an engineer and um, people looked up to him and, and it, was, it was wild. So my mom was a nurse, you know, Christian mom, Christian dad. And they were like, they brought us to Canada and they were like, study hard, get good grades, work hard, you know, boom, boom, boom. It was the Canadian dream was where they were pushing us. So I totally resonate with that. And so when I first heard this whole concept of be, do, have, I was really intrigued by it. And I don't know that I've ever fully allowed myself to live from that space because there's too much of that that's been ingrained in me. But I'd really like to have you unpack that a little bit more from the perspective of your own story, but maybe also apply it to entrepreneurs who are listening to, to you here, because I think a lot of people can resonate with this. Absolutely. And I mean, we all get it. We all get this message. It's nuanced for every person. Like the immigrant story is different than the non-immigrant story. And, and, and it makes sense. It makes sense where some of it comes from. And also, yes, entrepreneurs, like I got it in my corporate career in a different way, you know, where I was getting pressure from those around me to always be doing more. But then when you get into running your own business, it really is all on you to a degree. <laughs> and so there's a truth in that, that it's all on you. And at least my experience was that I took up all of those, I call them the rules, like that you have to be productive, you have to be successful the first time you do something, or even feeling like like I, I felt like sometimes I wasn't the smartest one in the room, so I had to work the hardest to compensate for that. And, and you know, or I could outwork anyone. Like that was my... That was my main skill I had to offer was that I could outwork anyone and make anything happen, anybody make it happen. And what I realized was in, in, in entrepreneurship, I think we get that message a lot as entrepreneurs. I mean, like, there's mugs that say coffee, hustle, repeat. And an Instagram post I read once, like I'm off two hours of sleep, four cups of coffee and a dream. Like that's not actually healthy. <laughs> it's supposed to be inspirational, but that's not, that's not a healthy way to approach life or business. And what's interesting. So yeah, for me, when I started to ask that question of like, why am I doing all this? And I realized it was coming from this energy of proving my worth and proving proving myself. And it's it's interconnected to some other things um, that are more connected to being a woman. Like I wasn't a mother and I was single and I didn't like my body much growing up. And so I felt like, oh, this is a place 
Achievement is a place I can succeed. Like this is a place, as long as I work hard enough, I can do well. So there's some complicated things in our in our connecting for me, but I think there are for different people. We all have, you know, where did that story come from from you? What rules were you handed that you want to take a step back and say, wait, just because I got that message, whether it's from your parents or just general cultural messages, do I want to keep following those rules? Do I do I want to feel like I have to be productive all the time? I'm not allowed to rest. I have to be successful. Or do I want to take a step back and say, wait a second, no, my worth comes from something inside me and I can still do, like you can do, but when it comes from the being side of things, not only is it going to feel better, but I believe my experience has absolutely been that I've been, have actually been more successful and felt better along the way because I'm not running around with a chicken like my head, you know, like a chicken with its head cut off and I have time to have space and to be creative. And I would have been able to write my books had I not slowed down because I needed to slow down in order to have space to reconnect to creativity and to myself and to say, what do I actually believe in? What's different about me? And what do I want to be bringing into the world instead of just following everyone else's rules about how you're supposed to run a business, how you're supposed to show up, the marketing language you are and are not supposed to use. All of those, all of those messages that entrepreneurs get of like, This is the way to be successful. And it might be one way and that way might work for you, but you can choose a different way too. And so to really start to recognize whatever rules were handed to you and then make a conscious choice about them. That's all I'm really wanting people to do is to recognize and then make that conscious choice and to know that their worth does not come from anything outside of them. So you can achieve but it doesn't mean that your worth comes from achievement. You can create an impact, and I hope that you do, and I certainly want to um, in my in my work that I do. And also it's like, then that's just kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday. And there's so much freedom in that. Like there's so much more freedom to do the work you desire and to meet clients' needs and to challenge and to create new things because you aren't attached to already doing them well. You aren't attached to not being able to fail at anything because that has a, you know, if you fail, that means that you're a failure. No, you get to let go of a lot of that as an entrepreneur, which is so much more freeing. It is, it creates greater impact in the long run, but it it doesn't surprise me. We get these messages, you know, even if you heard the like, be, do, have, you got that message loud and clear and you really internalized it. Like you said, you did you're still getting messages every single day that tell you the opposite, (laughs) that tell you that doing and having are more important than being. So it's an ongoing reconnection to self and to what's really important separate from the rules you've been handed. So Heather, you're really a brilliant thinker. You are a thought leader because you take complicated subjects, you think about them deeply, and then you speak about them in a way that provokes thought and in a way that um, Mm -hmm. for me brings more questions that I can delve into you with for us to unpack together. So as a host, this is powerful, but just as a, like I work with a lot of thought leaders, I help them like, you know, 10 X and 20 X and all that jazz. You got what it takes, girl. Um, (laughs) Superb, really impressed. Well, if you don't mind, I want to unpack a few of these things and there's going to be a couple yeah. side trips because I think the best conversations have side trips. So mm-hmm. um, you spoke about the rules. You know, many years ago, 2016, as a matter of fact, I watched a montage put together by a guy named Evan Carmichael about Steve Jobs. 
And there was like 10 different lessons Steve Jobs taught you. And one of those was an old video from the 80s when he when he looked young, you know, and he had his hair and all that jazz. And uh, but he still sounded like Steve Jobs. But I mean, I looked at him and go, damn, man, he looks like a kid here. And he, he talked about this. He said that this thing we call life is not been handed down by God saying you got to live this way. It, it's just a whole bunch of rules about how to live that somebody not named you created and you don't need to follow it. He said, you, you know, people tell you, hey, go follow this path. Try not to bash against the walls too much and upset the apple cart. But he said, I created a life that I'm happy about living by not doing that, by breaking some of those rules, by following a different path. Now, he taught this was just before he got kicked out of Apple and all that jazz. But if you think about it, even him getting kicked out of Apple was a salutary experience for him because he learned from that and he came back. And, you know, the rules about life, um, they're not always correct. In fact, m many times they're not correct. I, I, I would argue that um, for myself, being taught to work hard was was burning me out. I'm, I'm 56 years old right now, okay? And I did something this year, and I want to share it with you. I used to be a top personal fitness coach. I worked with Olympic champions and people like that. I got out of that to get into business coaching, workshops, masterminds, and all that. Over a 12-year period, I went from being one of the fittest men on the planet to being fat. Gained a lot of weight. I, I gained 50 plus pounds and I kept telling myself, I know what I'm doing. I can fix this anytime I want and I will. This is my year. But every year I got a little fatter until this year, I looked at myself in the mirror with my belly hanging out over my, my pants and I was disgusted with myself, angry mm -hmm. that I'd let myself get to that point. And I had a story in my head that you're 56, you know, you, you, you can't get back in that shape. And then I saw some photos of people older than me who had gotten into top shape. And I, I realized one thing. One is that I was no longer a trainer, so I had to stop telling myself that I knew what to do. I needed help. I needed a coach. So I found a coach who worked with people my age. and. The other thing was that I was not going to work out four and a half hours a day and crazy stuff like that because that's it's crazy at my age to do that. Like I, I, I just didn't want to do that. And I thought I went to find this coach. and I said, look, listen, I run a business. You know, I'm, I'm in a relationship. I've got two kids uh, and, and uh, I run a men's group. I do podcasts. I need to do this so that I'm. I'm not like burning myself out. And he yeah. said, no problem, no problem. So I lost 57 pounds. I'm like in the kind of shape I used to be in 12 years ago plus. And I made it work without having to kill myself, like without yes. having to, 
to like absolutely go, oh, I'm going to do like push-ups every five minutes plus the workouts plus this. No, I found a way to make it work with help. And sorry to go on with this monologue this long, but there's a good point to it. Is this what you're talking about? That there is an approach you can take which will allow you to have a life, which will allow you to enjoy the world and, and not just like 24-7, 365 need to just be focused on one thing. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, that, and I think it looks different for every single person. So I, I love what you said around like you you change the way you, that it worked for you in the past. So even you're allowed to change the own rules that you have been following throughout your life. You got help and, and with someone who was going to work with you in a way that worked for you and and you knew what you wanted and yes i mean this is i absolutely believe you know when i look at my schedule there are weeks i work more and there are weeks that i work less of course it's not going to be i'm i'm not someone here saying i work 8 hours a week and that's it that's definitely not accurate but there's one there's like a give and take over time and and I, I always want to live for my whole life. I love my work. Like I love what I do. I feel extremely mission driven. I love the work that I do. And I love the other parts of my life as well. Like they are both true. And so I want and need that freedom. And when I was able to finally stop and disconnect my worth from the achievement, then I could do that without guilt and without feeling like, oh, if I'm going to go hiking on a Wednesday afternoon without feeling this like pull back to my computer, all this like shooting on top of me of like, you should, you should be working harder. You should be doing more. You should reach out to more clients. You should do that social media post. And there's a baseline of that, that every entrepreneur needs to do. You need to reach out to clients. You need to market in whatever way works for you, but you don't need to do all of it all the time. And when you're choosing to do something else, feel guilty for doing that other thing. <laughs> um, yes, I believe that we can build our lives in that slowness and pleasure and fun and connection are equally important. And and I will tell you, I think they're not only important as a human, which is the most most important thing that we just, we deserve to rest and to connect with other people and to connect with ourselves simply because we are humans and, and that is part of what it, it is to be alive. Um, and it will be better for your business. I mean, I will tell you that two summers ago, summer of 2021, it was pandemic. I was burned out. I was exhausted. And I was like, and I was going through a bunch of personal development stuff and it just took a lot of energy. And I was like, I need a work less summer. So it was not a sabbatical. I was not taking three full months off, but I was like, I need to work less for this entire summer. I need to like rest until I don't want to rest anymore. I need to recover so that I don't get further into, into burnout. And that summer, first of all, it was weird at the beginning. Like I had a lot of, even, even some of those old rules that I thought were completely taken care of, like those, you have to be productive. You have to be working harder. When I purposely worked a lot less came rushing back in <laughs> and I had to purposely consciously let them go again. But that was also the summer that I got the idea for my next book, my second book. And part of that was because I had space to process my personal experiences that went into that book. But I was also sitting out on my patio reading a book when the title for my book came to me. I was just sitting out on the patio reading and I would get ideas for the book when I was out hiking and when I was you know, listening and having that space. And so I absolutely believe it will be better for your business and you will feel better. This is my experience, at least, that I have felt better it has been better for my business. And 
yeah, you get to be part of creating a different way of living and a different way of working because the way that we have been isn't working for most people. Um, so you get to be part of that challenging, challenging the system, which isn't always easy, but is a, something that I want to be a part of. I want to be part of challenging our system in many ways. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I resonate very strongly with that remark. So there was another thing you said, and it's a bit of a side trip. So please indulge me for a moment. You said that when you were going through this process as a woman, you were dealing with some issues uh, about your life as a woman. And if you wouldn't mind, could you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was growing up, like middle school, high school, college years, I was in a significantly larger body. So I weighed a lot more than I do now at that time. And those are very formative years. And at that time, you know, growing up, um, it was in the 90s, uh, early two- 90s, early 2000s, the standard of beauty for women in the United States at that time was basically the thinner, the better. And thin is desirable. And, you know, ribs sticking out of your belly, you know, <laughs> all of the things that are, 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 and that was the standard of desire and the standard of what was likable and beautiful and pretty. And I did not fit that standard at all. And it caused a lot of shame. It caused a lot of shame in my body. And it really held me back from dating for a really long time, like literally up until a couple of years ago, even though I lost weight a long time ago, it took a really long time and, and weight shouldn't matter. Also, I should point out health is important, but you know, whether no matter what weight you are, that shouldn't, shouldn't impact how you date and how you show up in the world. Um, but it, it stuck with me because of those same thing. Like I got the cultural messages that we should always work harder and do more and be productive. I also got the cultural messages that a woman's worth lay partly in what her body looks like and being desirable and being desirable to men. And and I didn't fit any of that. And I felt like I couldn't. So not only was there shame in how my body looked, but there was shame in myself because I felt like this should be something that I could fix. And I didn't know how. Like I tried all the things Um, But there were things like I was absolutely a binge eater and I had some things in me that I needed to heal, but there wasn't really anything wrong with me. Like I I got that message that, and really not from any one person, but just general culturally that there was, um, yeah, something wrong with me. And then as I got older, carrying this right along with me, I didn't date. So I was always single and, um, you know, not married when all of my friends were getting married. And there's a lot of cultural messages in the United States too, that not only I would say a little bit like, this is what you're just supposed to do. That's probably gender neutral is like everyone gets, you You grow up and you get married and that's what you do. And then for women on top of that, I absolutely see and feel a pressure to be a mother. And that part of your value of being a woman lay and being a mother. And if you are not a mother, that you are somehow not fulfilling your purpose on this earth. And, and I also always thought I wanted to have kids, but knew I didn't want to have them on my own. That was very clear to me. And so they're, they're, the overachieving dives in here because I didn't even consciously know it, but I was like, that's an area I can be successful. Like this is a part of my life. And, and also I need to be because I felt like I was like failing in these other parts of, of my life. So it's like, well, I better be successful over here because I'm not in this whole other category of my life. So let's like, let's overflow the basket that I know I can control and I know I can do well because I feel like the other basket in my life is is empty or almost empty. And when I stopped and realized, and this was just a couple of years ago, 
I, when I really did a deep dive into all of these rules and I was like, wait a second, I was never broken. It was the system that handed me these rules that was broken. It was the rules themselves that were broken. And when I realized that it created this freedom in my life that I never knew was possible, a freedom to actually have fun dating and being out out and about with men and, and having fun in that area of my life. It gave me more freedom to use my voice. It gave me more freedom to work less. It gave me more freedom to be creative and to try different things and to challenge the status quo and to talk more directly about tough subjects. And it just, that realization spread out to all areas of my life. And so yes, gender and body and those those rules that women are handed absolutely was inlaid with all of this. And also men get handed rules that are not productive for them either. And I'd be curious to hear if you feel like you got any that were, you know, related to being a man. Like the one that I hear most frequently is like, it's not okay to be vulnerable and to share your vulnerable emotions. Like that's not okay. I think it's evolving. Um, but that's the one I hear most commonly from, from men. And that's not great either. So um, we are all handed rules and it is been my experience that it's very worthwhile to recognize those rules and then choose which ones you want to let go um, and where you want to create a new set of rules for yourself and your life and in your business and how you approach all aspects of, of living. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. There's a couple of things to unpack there and then we, we can get back to the business side trip. But um, I, I'm, uh, I'm not with the mother of my kids. We, we divorced. Um, we separated 14 years ago. We got a great relationship now, but just didn't work out back then I, for a variety of reasons. And um, I'm with someone else. And my lady uh, works with me uh, as well. Um, she's tremendous and she's done some incredible things in her life. And I've had some conversations with her because she's always been someone who's been athletic and into, you know, being physical and fit and all that jazz. And she's talked to me about this whole pressure that she's felt as a woman. And I, I, I'm a man. I can't really understand it. Let, let me be honest. I can hear what you ladies say and I can go, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's in my head. I don't really get it. I don't get it in my heart. I don't get it in my soul. I'm a man. Yeah. What do you want? You know, I mean, but this whole business about um, the beauty industry, mm-hmm. the beauty industry is out to make money. It's not out to create healthy, well-adjusted men and women. That's for damn sure, right? Mm-hmm. Not to make money. And what do most big businesses do? They hire really smart market researchers to go and poke at our vulnerabilities, at our at, at the things inside that make us feel like shit about ourselves. Let's be honest. Excuse my language mm-hmm. here. We normally don't swear on the show. And <laughs> they mess with that to get you to buy. That's the whole deal to get you to buy makeup, to get you to buy gym memberships, to get you to buy food, to get you to buy a message. The problem is that this doesn't raise well-adjusted women and men. And for a lot of women, the beauty industry is primarily aimed at women, very little of it's aimed at men. The message is if you're not, you know, rich, thin, and looking like Claudia Schiffer, you're worthless. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> yes, yep, right. And you know, um, 
a lot of this for for a lot of a lot of men right now like back in the day just to move the competition the the world of porn was different 25 30 years ago my men's podcast i interviewed an actual porn star from the 90s and back in the 90s if you wanted to watch porn you had to go to the video store you had to pick up the porn <laughs> it, it would be shameful like you'd be does <laughs> nobody here see me you get it the, you'd run out the back quickly. corner of the video right. store that <laughs> it, it, it was an ordeal today you pick up your phone you got porn you know what i mean it's 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 a whole different ball game and porn is messing up relationships for men because they think every woman's going to perform like the women in the shows that's acting it's not real and they don't all look like that they don't all scream in pleasure when you do those really weird things to them sorry bud <laughs> you know like and and then it ruins regular sex for guys with with their wives with you know women they're dating etc so um I don't want to I'm not into victimhood I'm not into blaming people and in fact one of my pet peeves about the culture is people are being encouraged to be victims you're not a victim you're a badass woman I'm a badass man and we can fix whatever's thrown at us but we need to show people hey listen young girl in her teens in her early 20s who's getting these messages is hey if you want to be pretty that's all great if you want to work out and be in a certain shape good for you there's lots of good health reasons to do that if you like looking a certain way god knows i do good for you knock yourself out but don't let someone else tell you you're nothing if you don't do this don't let someone else's value system because they want to make a buck make you make you adopt it as something for yourself and why i wanted to hear you say that is because i want to i want to see that like for men i got to be honest with you um this whole conversation of vulnerability is not a good conversation for men the the assumption behind it is that men and women are the same in how they share and emote, and we're not. For women, mm -hmm. sharing with other women is a way of spreading the pain and healing and, and so forth. For men, you gotta be careful who you do that to, man. You do that to the wrong man, he'll use that information to mess you up in business, steal your girlfriend, take your clients away. Like, I hate to say this, but men are freaking predators and they're, they're competing with each other all the time. <laughs> Ned, you, you can't go being vulnerable to everybody. Forget it. It's nuts. Now, that doesn't mean don't be vulnerable in front of anybody. And I don't even like that word. Don't be opening yourself in front of some people. You mm -hmm. need to open yeah. yourself in front of some people. And in our men's groups, we encourage men to open themselves up. And men who don't open themselves up, we say are dangerous. We don't like it when a man mm -hmm. pretends everything's going on. We go, yeah, there's that, that dude's full of crap, right? See, I'm not swearing here. Well, I would in front of the men. <laughs> it's a different word than crap. But... <laughs> You know, so when we're with men, we go, look, you need to find appropriate places to reveal yourself and talk about the things that are bothering you and get good, um, good support, good accountability on solving them. Because holding them in, horrible idea. One of the worst right. ideas in the world. It's the second worst idea after being vulnerable in front of the wrong people. That is the worst mm. idea. So... To give you an example, a uh, guy and his wife are fighting. Okay, they're fighting. So he's starting to get some attention from a pretty coworker. 
does he want to go tell everybody that wow this pretty girl is looking at me and hey man maybe i should maybe... no especially if one of those guys is interested in your wife and goes hey did you know your husband's like that could destroy a marriage you, you know what i mean it could absolutely destroy a marriage all he's doing is mouthing off to some friends are gonna go are you nuts man you're lucky to have her shut up go fix it with her right yeah you're right you're right you're right but if he tells it to the wrong guy that wrong guy's gonna go blow up a family you, you know what i'm saying and i do i don't think that's that's vulnerability but <laughs> i agree with you listen, that not everyone deserves listen, their truth and vulnerability either <laughs> listen for for a man who's having a fight with his wife and doesn't tell anybody about it in general it's a really big deal to talk about it at all like for you lady oh, i thought you were saying don't tell the the flirtation piece from another the attention from another woman no no i think what, i misunderstood you <laughs> what we're saying is if you tell a man that this girl's flirting with me my wife and i are fighting i don't know maybe i should have an affair and the other men in the group say are you an idiot don't do that <laughs> right mm -hmm. if yeah he tells it to the wrong man that wrong man could go and tell his wife because that yes. wrong man yeah. wants to sleep with his wife and wants to mess up his marriage there's <laughs> like Listen, there's dudes that'll do that. There's there's dudes with no conscience. They don't care if they mess up a family. They just will. I'm giving you an example. I'm not telling you this happens. Yeah. But, you know, you got to be yes. careful who you say what to as a man and in what circumstances. And with men, it's very hard to open up. Very hard to open up. So when there's a big deal like this, like a fight with your wife or your kid's done drugs or your, you know what I mean, your business partner um, stole all the money in the bank account and you gotta you gotta figure out how to tell your family that you know this happened without yeah. freaking them out without freaking yeah. them out right like you need to be you need a place where you can reveal this yes you yeah you, you do not as a man we say do not go spreading your business everywhere keep keep that everything's cool mask to most people and have a group of people you can really reveal yourself to go out there in the world, yeah. to go out there in the world which is a message a lot of men are getting just be vulnerable just share no 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 be open to the right people be open to the right people that's what we teach men we don't teach men go do whatever with whoever and open yourself up that's a big mistake in, in our in our in our experience that is a catastrophic mistake anyways that mm -hmm. those are our thoughts around men so we're a little, yeah, well, we're a little different with men. About I was just that. saying, yeah, yeah. I think, well, sure. When we're all different and every individual is different as well. And I, I love hearing when there's men's groups that exist, because I do think it's great to create safe spaces for people where there is that level of trust and they can be vulnerable and share. I think being vulnerable is so powerful. And I love it when a leader, like when a business owner or a corporate leader says like, I don't know, or I don't know the answer, or this is what's going on in my in my real life, and I want I want to bring people in on that, and that's a personal decision that people get to make about who does that, and and I will say like, you know, absolutely there can be consequences of being vulnerable, and like I think of you know, it, it like for women there there are significant can be very significant consequences in the workplace of being showing anger, or showing directness and getting labeled in certain ways because of that and that that can be so that can be vulnerable for a lot of women to just show anger. In a workplace situation, I would give different advice to men 
Like if a man is running a company and he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And my key people are starting to smell it. We probably tell him you need to go meet with your key people and you need to come clean. You need to come clean with them, right? And you need to project confidence. We're also going to tell him, do not go into that meeting acting like you think the world's going to end because that's not vulnerability. And we don't like using that word in the context of, man, I got to be honest. We don't like using that word. We like openness. Okay. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not a masculine word. And I, and, and I think it's important for men to be, those words don't empower men. I'll be candid with you. Mm. Words like vulnerability don't empower men. Words like openness okay. empower men. Vulnerability makes us like shrink back. When I hear be open, Just- I, I lean in when I hear vulnerable, I shrink. Oh, whoa, I don't want to be, right. I want to, I want to yeah. be open. I want to be open, but we'll That's tell fair. them. We'll tell the leader as a man, project confidence to your team. Like you will figure it out together. Do not project, do not go into that meeting going, Oh my God, we're about to lose everything. Don't do that. That's what we tell them, but tell them, I don't have it figured out. This is a big deal. I need your help. We got all pulled together. We've done it before. We're going to do it again. That's a leadership role. I tell that to a woman too, but especially to mm-hmm. to, to the men leaders as well. And in, in a situation with a, I, I work with a lot of high level women myself inside of our mm-hmm. coaching business. And I go, look, here's the reality. And this is just between us and the audience. You got to learn how to, <laughs> you got to learn how to ethically manipulate people because there's ways to get the result you're looking for. And, and I don't like to use the word manipulation, but you know what I mean? No. Some people need to hear something in a certain way. Like I have a, a client of mine. Um, if I talk to him directly, he's going to hit me. Like, you, you know what I mean? He's going to, he, he can't, I can't just say you screwed up. Boom, boom. No, no, no. With this guy, the way I kind of do it is I go, you know, that was, that, that was, a, that was a really cool idea you had. And then I go, did it get you the results you were looking for? And I kind of ask it like knowing he's going to say, no, I'm not really. I'm going to go, then maybe you, maybe you don't want to do it anymore. Instead of going to him and going, that was dumb. Don't do it again. Right. Because if I do that, he's going to fire me. He's going to fire me. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? You got to meet people where they're at. So my advice to men or women is you got to meet people where you're at. If being angry is what's called for, then damn it, be angry. But if being angry is going to get you the wrong result, are you kidding me? I don't know. I like to keep relationships. That's that's the number one thing in, in business yeah. is keep the relationship strong. Don't wreck the relationship. Yeah. Hey, those are just yeah. – Sorry, those are Nikki Ballou's thoughts. I know you're, it's almost <laughs> like you're interviewing me in this piece, but anyways, go. Um, let's come off the side trip and come back to here. So um, we definitely need to have you back for the new book, okay? Because we, we've taken up okay. for the old book. So imagine that you've got um, clients who are dealing with this overachievement, overwhelm lifestyle. If you had to give them three pieces of advice on what they could do right away today before they engage with you to make their life better, what would it be? The first thing is, I mean, if you if you're listening to this podcast, you've already gotten this overview of the rules that we are handed. So I would encourage you to 
take a step back and start to notice your own rules because they really are different for different people. I mean, we, in the U S in particular, we do have this general achievement productivity culture, but you know, I've worked with people who feel like they have to be responsible for everything all of the time. And that's getting in their way versus other people. It's more productivity or they're really connecting achievement to their worth. So it does show up in different ways for different people. So look back, think about like, what are your, what have your experiences been? What messages did you get in school and from your family and from past bosses or just general cultural messages and start to recognize your own rules? I think this is, this is the very first step is it's self-awareness. It's the first step to anything is understanding what you're bringing to the table, (laughs) what you have been handed. And then to take that step back and say, what do I actually believe? Like, what is, if you're thinking about a business, like how do I want to be running my business, my life? How do, and how do I want to feel in it? What's my actual definition of success? And then if you compare that definition of success, whatever it might be for you thinking of it, I would recommend holistically. Like I like to think of success as the person you are, what you truly want and going after that. And then also the impact that you want to create. So the combination of Desire being an impact is is a whole more holistic way of looking at success. And then to say, okay, if this is my definition of success, are those old rules that I was handed, do they actually align or not? And if not, how can I choose a new set of rules and start living into them? And I'll tell you that living into them is uncomfortable at first uh, because those old rules are still pulling on you to go back and say, no, do it this way, do it this way. But you can create a new set of rules and start living into them. And that might mean saying no more often or picking what's really important, or it might just be saying like, I'm going to stop working at X time. And even though it's really uncomfortable, unless there's a true emergency going on, I'm going to stop working. And then you teach your brain a new way of thinking. You're essentially creating a new set of rules for yourself. And over time, you prove your to yourself and to your brain that those new rules actually work and are true and feel better and lead to greater freedom and impact both. Um, so that's what I think high level in my book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, guides you through all of that as well. Um, and, it, and it is because it is more achievement oriented. It really does hit it like, work and school and business and how we are showing up in those and to take that step back and say, no, what what actually works for me and how do I want to be showing up in, in the world? And that will give me more joy, freedom and create greater impact at the same time. Those are really good expert action steps. So thanks for revealing those and sharing those with us. So if someone wants to pick up a copy of your book, what's the best way? There's two different ways. So if you want to sign, if you're in the US and you want a signed hardcover copy, you can go to heatherwelpley.com and then you'll find all the book info there. That's also where the pre-sale of my second book, Grounded Wildness, is and my speaking info and all, all of the things are at heatherwelpley.com. So you can get signed hardcover copies of an overachiever's guide there, or you can get um the audiobook, ebook paperback all on Amazon, no matter in most places in the world, I should say, maybe not no matter where you are, but most places in the world, you can get those on Amazon as well. So um, those two places, heatherwelpley.com and Amazon are the best places to get the book. Awesome. So we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes. Heather, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll have you back on for the, for the book. When I get the signed copy, I'm going to read it and uh, I'll come and we'll delve into it. I think that'll be a nice way for us to have the conversation. Thanks for indulging my side trips uh, today. (laughs) That was just a matter of personal curiosity more than anything else I wanted to to, to learn because I think it's one of the things that's wonderful about being a podcast host is I, I get to learn from you. So you like, yes, give me a coaching session session while we do this. So God bless you for that. (laughs) 
So listener, Heather Wapley's The Real Deal. Go check out all of uh, the information that she's given you at her website. That's going to be in the show notes. Go to Amazon, pick up a copy of her uh, of her first book, pick up a copy of her second book, uh, and make sure that, you know, if, if you are like me and you want signed copies, go to her website, get that done. And if you learn something, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review. And if there's someone in your life who needs to hear this message, because they're going 24 7, 365 into overachievement and overwhelm, share this episode with them. It'll, it'll help them out. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about the one and only Heather Wapley, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes. And until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.